0: Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Toddcast, the Teacher Podcast, an informative podcast that explores a variety of teaching and educational experiences while still offering insights into improving and upskilling teachers. Join your host, Todd Broadbent, as he explores the wide and varied lives of educators from every sector, exploring fundamental concepts that are pivotal to good teaching while also discussing the lighter side of the educational sector. Welcome. To the Toddcast, the teacher
1: podcast.
0: For the 40th episode of the Toddcast, the teacher podcast, I had the wonderful opportunity of interviewing Michaela Epstein. Michaela has taught in secondary schools in both rural and urban areas and is deeply committed to sharing great mass ideas with others. Michaela is the founder and director of Mass Teacher Circles, which was created in 2020. Mass teacher circles focus on bringing primary and secondary teachers together to explore great mass problems and share ideas about teaching. Michaela is also the past president of the Mathematical Association of Victoria. Throughout this episode, Michaela will be sharing her educational journey, the reasons why she decided to become a teacher, her greatest challenge and proudest moment as a teacher, what are mass teacher circles, what does this consultancy offer teachers, the importance of problem solving questions in your mass lesson being president of the Mathematical Association of Victoria, tips to improve your maths teaching, and so much more. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Michaela. Welcome to the Toddcast, the teacher podcast. How are you?
1: Good, thanks, Todd. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, it's wonderful to have you on. I'm really looking forward to our chat and talking about your we have had so far and then now what you're doing as well with mass Teacher Circles as well. So I'm looking forward to having a chat about all that stuff today. Thanks, Todd. So have you had a highlight of today? If you haven't had a highlight of the day, have you had a highlight of your week so far?
1: Um, yeah, look, I, I have had a highlight of the day. So I'm currently participating in this 10-week program with other maths teachers around the world uh, where we're learning about good problem design and facilitation. And I really love it because I love stepping into the shoes of learners and kind of putting myself in that challenging space again. So we had a session this morning and it was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, beautiful. And getting to talk with people from all around the world sounds amazing. Yep, that's right. So what were you like as a student?
1: Well, I feel like I've already given a bit of a clue in what I just said, but I remember being a really keen bean learner. I mostly looked forward to school and, you know, there were different subjects that resonated at different times throughout um, my learning. And I always liked maths, but it wasn't necessarily always my favourite subject throughout school, but I enjoyed being challenged and having teachers who kind of were excited to share new ideas with me.
0: Yeah, excellent. And then did you have a favourite moment from school?
1: So I reckon I've got two that just often sit at the back of my head. One is from when I was in year one and I have this really strong memory of my year one classroom which was this demountable. So I went to school in Sydney and um, we had this demountable classroom. Um, It was like big and there was lots of space for us to play on the floor and this memory is of me sitting on the floor with other kids playing with pattern blocks and just all these colourful shapes and spending ages piecing them together in different ways and seeing what kind of patterns we could make and how we could fit them and what worked and what didn't work and it was just a really playful open experience and for whatever reason that's really stayed with me. And the second one, it's different. It was from high school, but it was also similarly playful. So throughout school, I played the violin and the trombone and I was in our school orchestras. And so I have really strong memories of our morning rehearsals and sitting with other students in the orchestra rehearsing and putting together just incredible music and it always felt like such a privilege because I was one person in the orchestra who contributed a tiny part and together we made something that was just so beautiful and I think it's a really hard one not to remember.
0: Yeah no that's excellent I think that opportunity of building some really good connections and some really good friendships from being in the orchestra would have happened as well I'm sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think part of it is that, you know, everyone wanted to be there. And so there was a real warmth and enthusiasm. And then because you worked hard together in that space and collaboratively created something, then you built up quite strong connections along the way.
0: Yeah, excellent. So Michaela, can you tell me a bit more about yourself, your teaching journey and now what you're currently doing as well?
1: Yeah, right. So when I started teaching, I left Sydney. It was time for a sea change and I actually moved out to Mildura. And those who are listening who don't know where Mildura is, it's in Victoria on the border with New South Wales, but the closest capital city is Adelaide. So I was very far away from anything and it was a big culture shock, but it was wonderful. And I started teaching in a year seven to 10 secondary school, teaching maths and humanities. And I spent a few years there before moving to Melbourne, uh, where I taught more more maths. And I kind of became more and more entrenched and kind of fascinated by maths teaching and learning. And since that time, it's kind of opened up a whole range of opportunities that I've stepped into, like through the Maths Association of Victoria and my master's research and working for a few different organisations to where I am now, where I get to run professional learning with primary and secondary teachers all the time so that the early teaching experience really unlocked something which was a, a stronger passion for maths than I realized that I had plus a really deep interest in understanding teaching and wanting to work more and more with teachers
0: yeah excellent so I think in your short career so far you've been able to fit so much in there already
1: Yeah, yeah. It's look. I like to keep busy, (laughs) so that's probably part of it. But yeah, I think I've just been driven to understand more about the work that I'm doing because I faced a lot of really tough challenges, and I felt, to be honest, I felt quite hopeless at times in my teaching. Like I just wasn't doing the best by my students, and I had so much to learn. I think you know these are sort of common sentiments of early career teachers in particular, but a lot of teachers full stop like it. Teaching is a really tough job. And so I was just quite driven to understand more about, in particular, like the craft and the pedagogy behind teaching maths and how you can teach maths when you've got these complex needs of learners in front of you, while still staying true to what mathematics is about. And that kind of bigger vision of you know, wanting to help learners to feel successful and to enjoy the subject that they're learning.
0: Mm, No, excellent. And then what was the reason that you decided to become a teacher? What was the reason you just went, yeah, I want to be a teacher here?
1: Yeah, interestingly, I, so I never knew what I wanted to do after school and I did the most generic degree at uni possible a science and an arts one so you know allowed me to just get a taste of a whole lot of stuff and through that I just started looking at education from a few different angles through philosophy and psychology and politics and kind of again it piqued my interest in this education business and it was through that that I decided hang on a sec I think I actually want to become a teacher.
0: Yeah, no, wonderful. And then did you have a teacher throughout your schooling that really inspired you and you maybe modelled your teaching on as well?
1: There were a couple of teachers. So one was this year one teacher, the one where I was sat in the classroom playing with pattern blocks. And I remember that we just had a lot of fun in her lessons. Yeah, I, I, my memory of Miss Sawyer is that she always made us laugh And she got us to do these really creative activities in class that stretched our thinking and got us thinking about ideas in completely new ways. And then in year 12, I had this teacher, Mr Owens, who was studying modern history and we had a really small class and he actually ran the lessons like a university seminar where we all sat around the table and we had these big discussions where everyone got to weigh in. And in that class, my big takeaway was how respected our opinions were, that even though we were teenagers still sitting in school and we had exams to prepare for and all of that sort of stuff, our voices mattered. Mm. And you know i think that's the case you know not just with your 12 students but with your 7 and your 1 students etc and everything in between that students voices matter and it can be really hard to follow through with that and with respecting those voices when as a teacher you've got so many pressures and kind of people that you're accountable towards but we're also accountable towards students so i tried to keep that in mind and carry that through to my teaching and carry it still today through to the work that I'm doing now with teachers.
0: Yeah, I think as you're saying, it's showing the importance of listening to your students. I think that's uh, such a critical part of what we do as teachers. If you're just talking to the class and, and not taking on what they're saying, you're not going to be able to get to the needs of the students that you're working with. So I think as you're saying, the the importance of listening is is very critical, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, everyone in the classroom is an individual with their own perspectives and their own personality and kind of goals and motivations and all of that. So, you know, to educate is to understand that person in front of you.
0: Exactly right. Yeah. As you're saying, everyone's different. Everyone has unique qualities and different learning needs or whatever it might be. So, yeah, couldn't agree more. So what was, and what has been your greatest challenge as a teacher?
1: I guess I I kind of alluded to wanting to teach maths meaningfully whilst recognising the needs of the learners in front of you. So basically at the schools that I taught at, they were all kind of middle years classrooms and they were the typical classrooms that you find anywhere around the country where you have this enormous spread of capabilities. And so to cater to that in a way that is meaningful, so students aren't just rote learning, but they're actually kind of making sense of the mathematical ideas and they're having success and all of that, that was the biggest challenge. And just the complexity, like the number of things that you've got to keep in your head at once and kind of decide on when you're planning or or doing in the moment teaching, um, it did my head in on so many days. But those moments where you got it right, it was just incredible. And there are different kind of memories that I have of certain lessons where students would stay behind after class, for example, and want to keep working, or they'd come up to me at recess and ask me about the lesson or kind of excitedly tell me about something they'd been thinking about. Um, And it's those sorts of times where, you know, all right, well, I am piecing together things and I am starting to get it, um, even if there's still a lot more work to do.
0: Yeah, and that's probably, the, the as you're saying, the challenging part of teaching, that it's not just you're going this one way, you've got to be able to bounce around different ways and go around different things. And kids come up with, as we are talking about before, different ideas and different thoughts. So
1: mm.
0: I guess that's the part that keeps keeps you on your toes as a teacher, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's it. And one of the things that I noticed in particular in the secondary years was there was this group of students who had started having difficulty with maths much earlier on, so in primary school, once concepts like division and fractions and decimals started getting introduced. And there's really interesting research in Australia that's been done that shows how common this challenge is for students in, like, those middle-upper years of primary school. And what happens for these students is maths stops making sense for them at that stage. And so instead of, like, learning and kind of, and really deeply understanding new mathematical ideas as they're introduced, they start having to memorise stuff mm-hmm. and it be- begins to become this large chunk of information that they've got to try and keep in their head and remember and it gets more and more and more over time, uh, which when you think about it, like that's got to be not only difficult but really frustrating for students. And so it's kind of no wonder that when a student goes through that experience by the time they get to year seven, year eight, year nine, et cetera, they're kind of they don't like maths anymore mm, yes <laughs> you know they think this isn't something for me this is boring because I don't get it I haven't gotten it for years yeah and so I definitely had a good share of those students who I, I grappled with and um, particularly in the early days of teaching before I had that perspective on where they'd come from or where the skills gap was mm-hmm. um, it took me a while to then appreciate oh these are the big ideas that they need support in making sense of once they've got their head around those ideas like multiplicative thinking or place value uh, then it unlocks so much more and helps them to again say that they are capable of doing mathematics
0: yeah no excellent and then what would be your proudest moment as a teacher
1: I remember teaching this year eight class where we had this wonderful mix of students there were students who had kind of learning quite severe learning difficulties there were students who uh, were from non-English speaking backgrounds including some who had only had a couple of years of schooling in in their entire life so there were all these kind of different learning needs in the classroom but it was a really warm environment everyone was very supportive in that um, classroom and I remember that we started doing maths in a way where instead of students just going through and doing their work on their own and marking it on their own, we'd start to share the strategies. So at one point we were learning about um, something to do with multiplication and students had learnt multiple different strategies and then they were choosing a strategy for a particular problem and deciding which would be the best one for them to um, draw on and I invited the students to come up and share and there were these two really quiet girls, these twins, um, who you'd never hear Pete out of and, you know, I had a chat to them seeing that they'd done, um, figured out the problem and got them to come up to the front and they took everyone through and they proudly showed off their work. You could see all the other students in the class just nodding along really intently. And they finished and they went back to their seats and they were just beaming. Yeah, It was just such a special moment because these girls just came out of their shell and they realised that they actually had something special that they could contribute and support the other kids in the classroom to learn something new as well.
0: And it's so good when you see the kids really excited about what they're doing or something they've achieved or something they've finally understood or finally got, like teaching... I teach in prep, and and when they have those aha moments, or they first learn to read, or they can then do it by themselves, or something like that, you can just as a teacher, you just feel extremely proud that you've got to be part of that learning journey for them as well.
1: Yeah, that's it. And <laughs> I think one of the funny things is as a teacher, like sometimes you directly contribute to whatever it is that happens, but not always. Sometimes you've just like set the scene, cultivated the culture of the classroom where a kid can then follow through on their own and get to that point where they achieve something and kind of are able to do whatever it is independently. And it's that independence that is the moment of achievement.
0: Yeah, no, exactly right. So can you tell me more about your consultancy, the Mass Teacher Circles, and how did it all come about?
1: Yeah, sure. So a few years ago, I was looking for a new project to sink my teeth into. And I came across this concept called math circles. So math circles were first formed in early 20th century in in Eastern Europe as basically in contrast to maths olympiads. So for students, maths olympiads were highly competitive and, you know, very strict in their format and how students operated and, you know, each kid would come in and do their own thing. Math circles were also a form of mathematical enrichment but designed to be collaborative and conversational. This structure really blossomed, Um, kids loved it. And over time that model has evolved and to what is now maths teacher circles. And it's got exactly the same ethos. So I bring teachers together of all backgrounds, um, highly experienced teachers, very new teachers, primary, secondary school leaders, all of that. But what unites them is a desire to learn more maths and get new strategies, tools and tasks that they can take back to their students to help their students become stronger, more confident mathematical thinkers. So I first started Maths Teacher Circles in 2020. We brought people together for a couple of days at the University of Melbourne for doing all sorts of fantastic problem solving. And then of course, COVID hit. (laughs) So since then, and this has actually been the silver lining, we've been running online. And so now we bring teachers, but also guest speakers together from not only all over Australia, but globally. And we get such interesting minds in the room. One of the things that I always share at the start of the session is that no idea you have is a bad idea. So teachers are really encouraged to get involved, get their hands dirty with some maths, but to share what they're thinking, even if that thinking seems quite left of centre, tangential in some way, because often it's those ideas that spark new insights for other people. And what I'm really trying to do with Maths Teacher Circles is create an environment where people can learn from one another and see maths in new ways. And so we run regular sessions now throughout the year. Each one is on a different theme that's designed to be quite appropriate across year levels. And so we've got one coming up on simple tools for deep thinking or games that inspire strategy and grit and will be there together in that space where teachers can share strategies often the primary teachers will um, teach the secondary teachers around like classroom materials and different ways of thinking about mathematical concepts that the secondary teachers don't think about and vice versa the secondary teachers teach the primaries about like this is where the mathematical content can go and kind of the trajectory of what you can expect Um, so it's quite lovely because everyone's got something to offer to one Mm. another.
0: No, it sounds absolutely outstanding. And then you were talking about this before, but what was your main reason that you wanted to start this? Where'd the grand idea come from?
1: Yeah, so I really wanted to do more in the professional learning space, but in a way where it's, I suppose, giving teachers that opportunity to share ideas with one another. Because one of the hardest things about teaching and trying to grow as a a professional is that you're often so isolated. And even when you've got incredible people in your department or in your school, the number of people you can reach out to on a daily basis can be quite limited. Hmm. Um, So I wanted to create a space where we could bring people together to really share ideas and kind of structure that space in a way where it's focused on mathematical thinking and ideas. And you know, be a a space that also celebrates maths, not telling teachers like this is some 15 step method that you've got to follow. And this is the only way to be inverted commas, a good teacher. No, like I wanted to create a space where teachers can see the expertise in one another and share their own expertise and be able to celebrate that, uh, you know, their professionalism with one another.
0: Yeah, no, excellent. And then you've also was discussing this as we are just talking before but if if a staff member was keen to sign up or a school was keen to sign up with you guys like you were mentioning some of the things you offer like how many opportunities that they get to catch up with people and, and get involved in the pds and everything like that so what what's some of the stuff that you're offering with mass teacher circles
1: yeah so our most common kind of offering that teachers take up is a 12-month membership and that's a great one because it means that you get automatic access to all of our online professional learning sessions, plus a bunch of stuff in between. And at the end of the day, what that means for you is you get to dip in and out of new learning on a regular basis, get a bunch of new ideas, chat to teachers, then go back to your school and your classroom and try them out before coming back to learn more. Um, so it's not like, you know, a two day conference where you walk out at the end of it jam packed with ideas and you forget 75% of it. Mm. Uh, we want, you to come in and then come back again. And once you've had time to just test things and then decide what's most important for you to build on that next.
0: I think that comment that you've just said is so important. I think we, in the past, when you go to like, as you're saying, like a two day PD conference, or you have a whole day one, you have all these great ideas and there's, but you're like, Oh, w- like where do I start? Yes. Um, and we've, <laughs> yeah. We've been doing some writing PD recently where we, we do the PD after school and then we have a few weeks to implement that into the classroom and then we do the next part of the PD and then and keep mm. going. And I think that's been really beneficial because it's like that gradual build up of, of your skills and your knowledge and implementing stuff into, into the classroom. Whereas, as you're saying, if you get it all at once, it's just like a bit overwhelming of actually, I'd actually don't know where to start. So I think that's wonderful that your ability of being teachers to be able to grab something, go and use that, then come back for the next bit and then go again. I think that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think, like, I'm starting to see that more and more happening, these opportunities, like, you know, you're saying it's happening at your school as well, which is fantastic. And to me, you know, whenever there's a tweak or there's professional learning that is more responsive to teachers' learning needs like this, it's saying, we actually understand the context that you're working in and we care about your learning, not just in getting you in and out the door.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, exactly right. And then one of your aims is to build your tribe, and you were talking about this. So the importance of teachers having networks and other teachers that they can communicate with um, and to be able to bounce ideas off each other, you see that as really important?
1: Yeah, 100%. So actually a lot of time at our sessions you spend in breakout rooms with other teachers, Getting to talk to them, not listening to someone lecture at you, but actually, you know, sharing ideas and like, pulling problems apart together. And there are other ways that, you know, teachers, once they become part of our community, they can connect and um, collaborate with one another. Because I think at the end of the day, you know, the instance of learning, whether it's a conference or whether it's a maths teacher circle session or whatever, like that's just a drop in the ocean of the possibility for what a teacher can get out of it. The relationships and the conversations that happen actually can have a really long-term impact. And my hope is that teachers form relationships at Maths Teacher Circle sessions where they know that they can continue to connect with one another and support each other beyond the time of the session.
0: Yeah, and I think that's really important. I think I love the the Instagram community that I'm part of with the Teachergram stuff and being able to contact and communicate and get to see some of the different things that people are doing in their classrooms or PD they're doing or whatever it might be. Being able to connect with with teachers that you wouldn't normally be able to connect with, I think is really important. And because your school does it that way, it doesn't mean it's the best way. And being able to get some different ideas and thoughts from other staff members and other teachers and everything, I think is really important.
1: Mm, absolutely.
0: So have you got a moment during a PD session so far with mass teacher circles that you're really proud of? It's a really hard question, Todd. I think
1: (laughs) there are just these little comments that stay with me. So our online sessions are two and a half hours long. I say this now at the moment, I have no plans to change that, but often I'll get a comment of from someone right at the end of, wow, two and a half hours flew. And that, that's something that I'm proud of because I know that PD can feel long, especially online PD, and so I've worked really hard to make it interactive and to design the sessions in such a way that they're full of useful components for teachers, useful interactive practical components so i get these comments of oh the two and a half hours flew and then quite often i'll get emails from teachers afterwards telling me about what they've done with students um, ideas they've shared with colleagues or there was one from a teacher just today of he was still playing around with the problem that was shared nearly a month ago he was like i've just got to tell you about where i'm up to now
0: no they'll love that that's fantastic And I guess this kind of builds on to my next question here. So through being a consultant, how does it make you feel about having such an impact and inspiring so many teachers and then also seeing that go and be implemented into schools? How does it make you feel having that impact?
1: Yeah, it's funny. I think it's just, I mean, this is the job I do. It's a bit like when you're a teacher with students, you have a huge impact on students and sometimes it's short term, sometimes it's or quite often it's very long term. Yeah, I think I see that I've still got so much work to do, and I'm itching to do more. So it's hard to say how I feel about the impacts, because in many ways I feel like I'm still looking up the mountain, and you know, I'm pushing that rock up there, trying to <laughs> get even further up.
0: But I think that's what, uh, like all teachers, want to be able to do. They want to keep improving and getting better, and it's it's no different for you. What you're doing in your area of consultancy you want to improve and get better and and be the best educator you can be for like for you you're doing it for the teachers to then have an impact on the students but then as a teacher to have an impact on your students that you're teaching.
1: Yeah yeah that makes sense.
0: So uh, why are mass problem solving tasks so important for students uh, development in mathematics?
1: So many of you who are listening especially if you've taught maths will have heard of the four proficiencies and they're these undercurrents of um, the curriculum. They're problem solving, fluency, understanding and reasoning. And they came out of some research done in 2001 in the United States in answer to the question of what does it mean to do mathematics successfully. And I really love that as a question for thinking about like, what are we setting up in our classroom? What sorts of experiences are we trying to cultivate uh, for students? And to me, problem solving is so valuable because it's where students get to bring together a lot of the learning that they've already done and then form connections that they usually won't have realized existed. Um, Because a lot of like the, conceptual development happens in a a structured you know more or less closed space but when you go into the world of problem solving suddenly there's a whole lot more possibility and it might be through how you're representing ideas concretely visually or abstractly um, or it could just be the framing of a problem that suddenly gets you to turn an existing familiar idea on its head and I think that's the beautiful thing about mathematics is that no matter what level you're learning at there's so much surprise and intrigue in there, um, and there's always new ways that you can think about even in everyday situations. Mm,
0: no, hundred percent, and I think we use problem solving tasks and open-ended tasks in mathematics all the time in prep, and our preps just absolutely love it. that it's probably always their favorite lesson, and we build a bit of a a bit of a story into it about it might I might try and relate it to me or something else that's happening in the school or whatever it might be. And it's always their favorite lesson. And it's great to see they've already got some knowledge when they come into school and I, and they've already got that. So they can then extend that knowledge that they've already got and use that in that question, or there's some new key learnings that they get out of that problem solving task. But as you're saying, it just opens it up so much more and you can have some really golden teaching opportunities and moments with those open-ended those problem solving tasks.
1: Mm-hmm. That sounds like a delightful environment in your classroom, Todd.
0: <laughs> no, it's good fun. It's one of my favourite subjects to teach. I love teaching mathematics numeracy. It's one of my favourite things. And I think that passion as well comes through when I'm teaching it. It's a really good spot. And I know how much the kids love love numeracy and and, and getting involved in it as well.
1: Yeah, and 100% your kids will pick up on that passion from you.
0: Yeah. And then the importance of teacher reflection during mathematics and then also I guess in all teaching areas but the importance of actually reflecting after a lesson and thinking about how the lesson's gone or what you need to work on for next time
1: yeah I remember I was doing some research a few years ago speaking to teachers about their experiences of doing problem solving and there was this one teacher who was telling me about a lesson he'd run where he'd set it up and it was a problem That he knew well and he liked and he'd framed it in a particular way and he'd set the students off to work together in particular ways and it just kind of flopped he said he actually cut the lesson off short because they weren't getting into it and the goal just didn't hit them in the right way so after the lesson he thought about well why didn't it work and kind of it was at that point that he realized it was still with the goal and it was still with kind of the students grouping and kind of what size groups they're working in or something like that. And he decided, look, I'm actually going to go back and I'm going to do the lesson again. So he went back a couple of days later to the students and he explained like, yes, you've seen this, but I reckon we can give it another go and you can get more out of it this time. And he said that second time round, it was actually the best lesson he'd ever run. And I thought that was fabulous, firstly because of the reflection, but also because he'd shown that the best lessons don't have to be completely new. They can be building off something that you've already done and just Mm. taking it off in a slightly new direction or with tweaks to the setup of it. And none of that would have happened had he not taken even like a few minutes to stop and think about what had happened before.
0: Yeah, exactly right. And I think I think it is a natural reaction for teachers to reflect on their lesson. I am I know myself, like I feel like every lesson I'm thinking But at the end of the day, did I do the best job that I could have done here or what maybe could yeah. I modify or what do I need to maybe do tomorrow to help these set of students or whatever it might be to help them understand it for next time. So mm. I think it is a natural reaction to do, but I think we've... That opportunity of if you're mass teacher circles, I think that's a great opportunity to be able to talk and reflect with other teachers as well about what you're doing and what your lesson was or whatever it might be.
1: Yeah. I think one other thing to mention, and this is a, a common one that crops up with so many teachers that I work with, is that, you know, whether it's individual reflection that they're doing after a lesson or as a result of professional learning, um, there's often a desire to do so much you know, there are 15 things that I could have done differently and that I want to do next time and like to prepare the 15 things that's going to take me hours and hours and hours. And, you know, they're usually correct that there are 15 things that they could have done differently, but you've also got to be pragmatic. And so I always recommend to teachers to think about what's the most important next step for you? Why is that important? Why do you care about that? You know know that things won't be perfect and that's totally fine. But if you just focus on this one thing, maybe two things, but just one thing even, then you can do that one thing well. Mm. And it's easier to then learn in that particular direction and kind of stay on track with it. And also keep yourself in check that you're not trying to do too many things at once.
0: Yeah, wonderful comment. I couldn't agree more to that. So you were previously the president of the Mathematical Association Victoria. how all that come about? Did you enjoy the role? What was involved as well?
1: Yeah, good question. I loved it. Uh, I really loved the work that the state associations do. They have this kind of fascinating and really important role in the education sector where they bring all the voices together. So schools and teachers and academics and, you know, various organisations and kind of supportive services and curriculum bodies, all that sort of stuff, everyone kind of culminates and comes through with the associations. And it was a real privilege to be in that space. I was on the board for six years and the president for two years. I got involved because I wanted to understand more about what the association was doing um, and kind of be part of it. I saw it as a great opportunity for my own learning and you know a chance to see the sector from a slightly different angle and so as a board member so you asked about what the role was so just briefly we didn't run the organization but we advised the ceo on a strategy um, and approved things like budget so you, you've got a formal legal role as a not-for-profit board member Um, and there are certain responsibilities that come with it and training that you get as, as a result but it's also fabulous because I was there on the board with a whole range of people who had huge experience in maths education who I got to know really well and have become friends with since and as the president you run all that. You run the board meetings and you liaise with the CEO. And I was on the council for the Australian Association of Maths Teachers during that time. So I met with all of the other representatives from around the country. And again, it was that chance to step into another space and just say, ah, oh, this is fascinating because in South Australia, this is similar. And in the Northern Territory, this is similar, but this other thing is really different. And so, you know, just kind of getting to understand more about what this thing of maths education looks like around the country. And what are these common challenges that we grapple with? I think a lot of the things that are similar between schools in Victoria are similar between the States. Mm. And, you know, there are also all these variations between schools in Victoria, just as there are variations between the States and, you know, each has their own personality as well that's shaped by you know the size of the state and the geography and policy decisions and all of these things and I think coming from my politics background that I'd done at university I also just loved that so yeah that was I, I finished up that role as a board member a couple of years ago but still doing a few things with the association. I present at the annual conference every year. And like, I I recommend for everyone to get involved. You know, there are different things that you can get out of it, whether it's attending the conference or being part of a committee or so forth. These associations exist for you and kind of your contribution can help to shape what that association goes on to offer for other teachers around the state and the country.
0: Yeah, no, excellent. Sounds like a, an amazing opportunity and so many learning opportunities for you to continue improve and get better as well. Yep, 100%. And then if a teacher said to you, what could they do to improve their teaching in maths or any subject area, what would be three to five things that you would suggest to improve and develop your teaching?
1: Yeah, okay. So I had to think about this and I wrote down a couple of ideas. Uh, they are math specific, but Look, you can probably adapt these to other subject areas. I won't try and butcher other subject areas by (laughs) saying outright that they blanketly apply everywhere, but please use your imagination. (laughs) So first piece of advice is to make space for what you value. And in maths, what I often talk about is using repeatable instructional routines. Uh, So for example, if you value conversation in your classroom, well then find a way to spend five to 10 minutes every lesson where students can talk to each other about maths. Or if you value mathematical reasoning, use something like a number talk again on a regular basis. And the more you make it routine, the easier it is for you to embed it in your classroom practices and for students to become used to that way of operating. I think it's worth deliberately thinking about the routines in your classroom because sometimes we have certain behaviours or activities and tasks that we do in classroom that we just do because we've always done them so it's worth reflecting like is this the sort of thing that I want to keep doing and that I value for my learners so that's the first thing the second thing uh, uh, and this is a really math specific one is to take everyday problems you know the ones that you find in a textbook or in a worksheet and turn them just tweak them in some way uh, and into ones that inspire curiosity and make you actually want to work on them. In maths teacher circles, we often talk about creating accessible mysteries. So let me give you an example. So let's say students are learning about addition and the problem is 27 plus 44. Now, this might be a, you know, two minute task for some students and then they go through and they do like the next, you know, set of 20 other problems that are exactly the same and they mark and they don't really think much more about it. Or you could stop and you could just change features of that problem slightly and make it into something so much more. So you might ask, well, what are two numbers that together make 71? Can you find any others? Or what if you had three numbers in the sum or four or five? Or what if you had fractions? And suddenly you open up all of these interesting mathematical pathways that turn that one single problem into something quite interesting that will connect to more complex and deeper mathematical ideas. So, yeah, I I always recommend, you know, just starting with the ordinary everyday problems and seeing how you can just tweak, reshape some of the features. And then the third one is really focused on teachers, and that's to keep learning maths yourself. I think, like, we often talk about students being lifelong learners, but then often in these conversations, and I see them particularly at policy level, we forget that, oh yeah, that's right, teachers are learners too. <laughs> They're the right. adults who are on that trajectory of lifelong learning. And I think that can be something as simple as spending like 10 minutes working through the problems that you're gonna be giving your students. Or you can go you know, and invest in yourself even more and do things like the Maths Teacher Circle PD, where you learn alongside other passionate teachers. But that investment in yourself helps you to keep ticking along but also remind you of the experience that your students have in your classroom, which is really powerful for then considering how you're presenting ideas to them, what sort of environment you're cultivating, and really being able to empathise quite deeply with them.
0: No, excellent, excellent points there. love them all. In the second one there, we've we've done a bit of work at our school around, like that open-ended, those problem-solving tasks. And, and we've done a little bit of PD around being able to, have, here's a simple question, change it and make it so it is an a open-ended task and they can get multiple answers and different ideas. And so I think that's a great one. We've done a lot of work at our school about that and having having those different questions and then opening them up and changing them so they're more exciting and more engaging for the kids to be able to get Multiple answers. Yeah. And and it's
1: a lovely idea that you can have exciting and engaging maths that's still like very rigorous. Um, And it's a real sweet spot to achieve, but also I think quite satisfying when you can do it with something that doesn't require a huge amount of heavy lifting and preparation from you in the lead up.
0: Absolutely. And then what would be one teaching resource you couldn't live without?
1: Okay. So I'm quite biased, firstly because of maths, but also because um, so much of the professional learning that I'm doing is still online. Mm -hmm. The resource is called the Mathagon Polypad. Um, If you haven't heard of it, I highly recommend you go and Google it. It's just got so many manipulatives, like every maths manipulative that you could imagine exists on the polypad. And it's very cleverly and nicely designed for drag and drop and changing colors and fitting bits and pieces together and creating like tasks on it. Great for if you want students to collaborate together on a computer and do something together. But even if you just want to get ideas to then do in a hands-on way with your students, they really developed it during COVID, which was the perfect time because there was such demand and the team behind it has done a really awesome i'm not getting paid for this but (laughs) they've done a really awesome job of just creating tools that get you thinking about maths and Mm. you know wanting to play around
0: Yeah, awesome. Well, uh, I'll make sure I put that into the show notes as well so people can just go and click onto that link. So I'll put that link in there so people can go and check that out. And then anyone wanting to get in contact with you, Michaela, how can they go and check out Maths Teacher Circles or how can they get in contact with you as well?
1: Yeah, good question. So there are a couple of ways. One is through the website and that's mathsteachercircles.org forward slash TODCast. I'll give you the link for that. Uh, You can also check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, and I'll provide the links for all of those as well. So you can put them in the show notes.
0: Yeah. Excellent. I was just about to say, I'll put all those in the show notes for everyone. So that'll be wonderful. Thank you. And then uh, before we finish up today, Michaela, are you happy to play a little game with me? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is called Todd's Stock Exchange. So you can either buy it, which means you get around it Hold it, you're unsure, or sell it. So it'll be a different thing that I'll say and you can either decide to buy, hold, or sell it. Okay. First one is a staff meeting, buy, hold, sell. Sell. And if you want to explain it as you go, feel free, but no pressure to either. Oh no,
1: I'll let everyone think about that for themselves. (laughs) Love
0: it. What about yard duty, buy, hold, sell?
1: Unfortunately, I have this very strong memory of a student when I was on yard duty coming up to me with this mangled broken arm. So I'm going to put a hold on this one.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, what about a chisel tip whiteboard marker? Are you buying, holding, or selling it? Uh, buy. Good. Good. Like it. Yep. yep. They're my favourite as well. So uh, I'm glad you was... chose that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there was a very specific reason why you mentioned the chisel tip whiteboard marker.
0: Exactly right. You're all over me um what about tin tuna in the staff room buy hold sell
1: oh i mean look if this is a tin tuna for everyone let's buy it
0: (laughs) like it what about a wet day timetable where you've got to stay inside buy hold sell uh let's sell Hmm. yes yeah with you there with you there uh what about hoarding coffee cups in the classroom and then bringing them all back to the staff room on like a friday
1: wow this is an insight into todd's pet peeves
0: (laughs) a little bit yes
1: (laughs) yeah yeah. let's sell these
0: excellent and then my last one is mass teacher circles buy hold sell
1: uh buy up big
0: (laughs) (laughs) excellent work thanks michaela i'll give you the win for that well done great answering thank you
1: phew (laughs) you put me on on the spot with those
0: Yes, I uh, put everyone on the spot. I don't like giving anyone preparation time for that one. That's the only part of the podcast I don't like giving preparation time to. Understandable. (laughs) But no, that's the end of the podcast. So, Michaela, I just want to say thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It was wonderful hearing about your teaching journey and then everything you're now doing with Mass Teacher Circles. I think it's absolutely outstanding and wonderful what you're doing there and a great opportunity for teachers just to continue to improve and get better, which is what every teacher's there to do. And they're there for their kids. So I think it's a wonderful opportunity for people to sign up. So I just want to say say thank you so much for being on the podcast today and, and sharing your journey that you've had so far.
1: Thanks so much, Todd. I've really enjoyed the conversation.
0: And yeah, and all the best for the rest of the year. Cheers. You too. See you later. And that is the end of the 40th episode of the Toddcast, the teacher podcast. It was great having Michaela come on today and sharing her teaching journey and now everything she's doing with Mass Teacher Circles as well. If you haven't already, make sure you go and check it out. Hopefully you also got a lot out of the episode today with Michaela sharing about all things numeracy and mass and I cannot wait for you to join me in the next couple of weeks for the next episode of the Toddcast. See you later.